How did Jesus go about choosing his disciples? Are there principles we should know and follow as a pattern for our own life and ministry? How do you know who you should disciple? This week, I'm joined by my good friend, Mike Chong, for a conversation on the topic of selection. We take an in-depth look at the way Jesus selected his disciples and highlight simple principles that we can apply as we make disciples today. Mike and his wife, Liz, are currently on staff with the Navigators and work among the military, sharing the good news of Jesus and making disciples for him. Mike brings 20 plus years of experience to this conversation, so I hope you'll listen closely because there are some great insights on disciple making in this episode. Well, Mike, thank you for joining us today. Uh, you and I go back way back. Actually, I don't I don't remember the first time we met. You might be able to uh, give some insight on this. Obviously, you and your family moved to Fort Lewis, Washington, where our family was at at that time back in 2010. But I think our paths crossed before that. So do you remember the first time that you and I met? Oh, man, uh, I think it was when I was stationed at Fort Carson. You and a few others came up to uh, uh, Colorado uh, to go skiing and meet some of the other people um, for ministry purpose. And uh, you stayed at the house that I was staying in with the ore box. And I think we got to hung out very briefly, but uh, that was probably the first time I remember seeing you. So I was thinking that as well. And I, I think that would place things back in the late 90s, I think. Yeah, late 90s, early 2000 for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to quickly give uh, our listeners, our, our viewers, a sense that you and I have history. Uh, but for sure, our relationship began to grow a lot closer in 2010. You and I uh, ministered together. Our families ministered together there at Fort Lewis, Washington for a couple of years before we moved down to San Diego, where we're still at. And you're still in Fort Lewis, Washington. Yeah. The Lord's been using you and your, your wife, Liz, to make disciples there over the past 10 plus years. So it's, um, it's a privilege having you on. We're going to be talking about a very disciple making oriented topic and one that can be controversial or at least make people feel uncomfortable. And that is the, the principle of selection. So we're going to talk about how do you know who you should disciple? How do you make that decision? And what are some of the traits that you look for? But before we dive into that, uh, let me just give you a chance to introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us a little bit about how you came to faith and um, what ministry looks like for you these days. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on here. It's a privilege to be with you. And like I said, or like we just talked about the history between us, I'm very excited to have this conversation as we continue to have uh, just a journey of friendship and just co-laboring in God's kingdom together. Um, yeah, so uh, my name is Mike and been married to my wife, Liz, for about 17 years this September. And we're raising five beautiful, highly energetic kids. Um, our youngest being six, our oldest being 14. And we've been here, like Andrew said, since 2010 here in uh, Washington, Right, right outside of Joint Base Lewis-McChord. Yeah. 
I joined the Army at the age of 17, and my first duty station was Fort Carson, as Andrew mentioned. And a co-worker of mine, another soldier, invited me to a Bible study like um, there where they actually study the Bible. And uh, it was a navigator Bible study. And uh, I started going faithfully because I thought that was the right thing to do as I have a Catholic background. And one of the small group leaders said, hey, you want to read the Bible with me? And he knew that I wasn't reading. And, and so I was like, yeah, I wasn't reading, nor was I disciplined, nor I knew I was supposed to. And so as soon as he, him and I started reading, I realized there was a lot more to walking in this religion with Jesus um, than just going to church every Sunday. And uh, as soon after he shared the gospel with me multiple times, I was a little slow mm-hmm. and uh, why Jesus came to earth. Uh, and eventually I decided to follow Jesus in my own barracks room. And since then, uh, just as Matt helped me, he was a small group leader that I was attending, helped me read the Bible. I began a journey of helping others read the Bible and how uh, life-changing it was for me. Um, I wanted to help others read the Bible who, like me, didn't know that there was more than just to attend church every Sunday. And so I was there, then went to Germany where I was wrestling through what does it mean to labor in the Lord and and a couple of of years in, Jesus, I want to labor with you, you know, in Matthew 9, 35 through 38, where the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So I was like, Lord, I want to be a worker too. Mm. And I didn't know what that meant, although I knew how to do outreach. I knew how to read the Bible with people, but did I really know how to labor? And I think once I made that commitment, God changed all my orders around in the military to land me at Fort Campbell. I know, Andrew, you have a history at Fort Campbell as well. And at that point in the milita- in the army, Fort Campbell was where disciple-making training was happening. And so I think God was like, Mike, if you want to labor or make disciples, you got to end up at Fort Campbell. And much as I try not to and resisted and, and all the craziness of my uh, military orders, I ended up at Fort Campbell. And that's where I met <laughs> Joe and Cecil uh, and got a lot of discipleship training. And then seven years later, I ended up here with Andrew and got more more discipleship training and leadership training uh, to serve the service members here at Joint Base Lewis McCord. Yeah, we we basically you're right. We have a history at Fort Campbell. Uh, my wife and I were involved there from the mid '90s through 2001, and then our family moved to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, where we were working with the navigators there to reach out to military families to share the good news about Jesus with them and to uh, make disciples among those who expressed an interest and a desire to respond to that. And you arrived after we had already left for North Carolina. So we didn't have overlap there at Fort Campbell, but we, we knew each other um, from a distance. Um, and it's, it's interesting, obviously Matthew nine, that's the passage that our ministry into the harvest is based on where Jesus saw the crowds of people who were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He turned to his disciples and said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers into his harvest. So when you talk about wanting to labor for Jesus, Jesus wants us to labor for him. Like he wants laborers or workers for the harvest. And those workers, they come from his disciples. So he he turned to his disciples and of course they were already following him, but there was a step that they still needed to progress to, which was to become laborers because that's at the end of chapter nine of Matthew. 
Of course, if you continue to read into chapter 10, he begins to send them out into the harvest as workers to join him in this mission. And it's still what he's calling us to today. He, he calls us to be his followers, to be his disciples, but he's also calling us to be workers, to join him in the family business and to, to own that work, that piece of the work in our corner of the harvest. So if you're listening, if you're watching today and you are a disciple of Jesus, he has a, a purpose for you, which involves becoming a, a worker, uh, becoming a, an important piece in the family business. And he's already put you where he wants you to be. He's put you in your corner of the harvest. So where, where your story connects with what we're going to be talking about today, Mike, is once you had made that decision to, to desire to join Jesus in his work, to be one of these few laborers who could be sent out into the harvest. At that point, uh, God using the military arranged things so that you would be in a place where you could be discipled so that someone could uh, connect with you and then really begin to invest and train you to not only follow Jesus, but to learn how to help others. And so that's, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today is how do you find those people who want to join you in the work of sharing the gospel and making disciples? Um, and how do you focus on those folks? So selection is the word that we're going to use. How do you select who to disciple? So let's start there and just define what we mean by selection. And, and we may even try to communicate what we don't mean by selection. So you and I were talking before we started recording about how Jesus selected his disciples and in particular the 12 out of Mark chapter three. So maybe I can just throw it to you and, and you could share what insights do you see from that passage? I think one of the key aspects of Mark three fourteen, where he prayed all night, came down and selected 12 apostles from his huge group of disciples and where the placement and timeline from Mark 3.14 is about approximately about a year and a half into his ministry, the three-year ministry that is recorded in the gospel. And it's interesting that um, John 1 is the first engagement, and some of the uh, Peter and Andrew were John's disciples, and they do an engagement, and he says, hey, come come follow me, or come, come and see. And then, you know, if you read in Ma Matthew 4.19, he says, come and follow me. And there's an approximate six months to seven months between those two invitations. And so I think the first year, maybe year and a half, Jesus is just recruiting people to be his disciples or to be his followers. And he's trying to uh, create a, a pool of men who wants to go deep with him or die with him later on. And a year, about a year and a half into um, Jesus's ministry, Mark three fourteen happens where he, he spends all night praying and just wrestling with the Lord, uh, with God, I'm assuming, and then just comes down and he picks the 12 apostles. Mm -hmm. I think one of the benefits of it, he doesn't give us any criterias of like who these guys were or why he picked them. He just, the only thing that he really did was he prayed to God all night and then gave a, gave a example of he picked the twelve. And I think that it's for our benefit so that we're not wrestling through th these supernatural criteria that we don't understand, but that our job is to go before God, 
wrestle it with him and with the men and women around our life. Like who, who wants to go deeper uh, in their walk with Jesus? Yeah, that's great. There's actually so many principles in these verses. Uh, I think when you're first starting to study the Bible, you, you can read through it and, and you just sort of catch the, the, the tip of the iceberg you know, that 10% that's above the waterline, that's, that's obvious. But even in this passage and some of the insights that you were just sharing out of Mark 3, I think there are several principles that, that we can begin to draw out. And I appreciate what you said, said there about um, it's, it's not, we're not talking about hard, fast rules. So we're not going to give a, a checklist of things to, to look for, but there are principles that you can identify and then you can begin to look, look for and practice in your own life. So let me just read these verses out of Mark three verses 13 and 14. It says, Jesus went up on the mountain and he summoned those whom he himself wanted and they came to him and he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach. And then it goes on to, to list the 12 that, that he had selected. But you're right, Jesus spent, first of all, that these were not strangers, these weren't random people from the crowd. Um, as you explained, these were people who had been following Jesus or had had ongoing contact with him for some time, uh, maybe as much as a year. And so we see here that he went up on a mountain and he prayed, and I believe that's in Luke's version, it tells us that he didn't just go up on the mountain, but he prayed all night. He spent the entire night in prayer. Um, and then he, he summoned those that he wanted and appointed 12. So some of the principles that, that you've already touched on, one would be that he was selecting from known relationships. So these, these weren't just complete strangers or, or surface relationships, people that he had limited time with. He had a period of time with them and they had already responded to an invitation that he had thrown out to, to come and follow. And from the outset following him, it was clear that he, something was going to happen, come and follow and I'll make you fishers of men. So it was, it was following with a purpose. It wasn't just hanging out, but uh, follow me and our relationship and what you're going to be receiving from me is going to change you into a new type of person, someone who's fishing for people. They had signed up for that. Now he spends the night in prayer. And I, I think it's interesting that he did pray all night, but it, it's also clear that he summoned the ones that he wanted. So mm -hmm. his own, his own choice was involved in there. So maybe um, we can talk a little bit about, you know, God's part and our part in the process of selection between not just choosing the people that we want, looking for God's guidance through prayer, right? but also we do have a, we do have a part to play. Um, we do have a choice to make. I think at the, on the idea of selection, uh, at the, the definition of it in my mind is to look for people or selecting people whom God has already chosen. And part of that is who we need to grow and grow sensitive to the Holy Spirit in our lives as we minister to the people around us. And just as we talked about already, that there's a collection of people, there's relationships already built that from the relationship of those who are following Jesus, there's going to be few that 
I think, desire to um, uh, go deeper. And just in uh, what Andrew said, what you said, Andrew, that in Mark 3.14, that so that he could send them out to preach the good news. And there's an aspect that people want to go out and preach the good news in a in a more not just full capacity as in full timers full time vocational ministry, but that they want a deeper understanding where they could not just deliver the gospel message, but also live it out and invite others to do it. And I think there's an aspect of us as humans that hey, I like this person. There's a, probably a personality thing. God has designed Mike Chong a particular way, so there's a value system that I I, I have and a way I choose to live and um, that I probably look for in people's life. And I think one of the major components too is who wants to share life with Mike Chong and Liz and five kids. And part of that is we, we've historically had people live with us and we have a, a, a single guy living with us currently. And he actually chose to live with us and five kids. And uh, if anybody has kids, it's loud. Our house is generally a loud house and uh, early in the morning and late at night. And I think one of those preferences, hey, who, as we invite people into our life, just as Jesus did, who is willing to say yes to the craziness of the Chong's life and household? Mm. So I think that's a part of the perspective of the humanness of the selection process. Yeah. So we're, we're going to wade through some principles. We're already talking about them. Maybe as we go, we can try to summarize them and, and, and capture them just in case people aren't, aren't catching them. But there's... There, there are several principles we've already talked about, but I would also maybe just even take a step back and say that there are some, some prerequisites to selection. So again, taking Jesus as our prime example, Jesus himself was on mission. He had been sent from heaven to earth and he was actively building his life around the work that the father had sent him to accomplish. He himself was proclaiming the good news at this time. So the first step um, is that we have to be actively following the Lord and we have to be actively giving ourselves to the work. Um, and then secondly, he invited these, these future apostles. Initially, um, he invited them to join him, to come with him on this, this journey and this life of mission that, that he was on. And many people responded to that. Of course, we're, we're all familiar with the 12, but Jesus had many disciples, it seems, who responded to a similar call. Uh, we know that he sent out 72 at one point in the gospels. We know that after his resurrection, he, appear, he appeared to 500 believers. So there was a larger group of people that had responded to that, what you could call that, that 101 invitation. To, to come and spend time with me. Um, so, so there's a prerequisite that we have to be on mission. We have to be actively living this life, even if it's just on our own as, as a solo endeavor. You know, we're doing it in community these days, but it has to be true of your life before you need to worry about selecting anyone else. You know, you can't pass on what you don't have. And then you need to invite people to join you in that over an extended period of time. Uh, so these, my, my suspicion is that many people responded to Jesus for a season and then lost interest and, and went back to their regular lives. But 
by the time we get to Mark 3, where Jesus is selecting the 12, he's now selecting from a, a group of seasoned disciples. So he did not select um, quickly or without first allowing them to, to be seasoned as followers. And then a third principle is that he was always clear with the fine print. <laughs> so whether it was in uh, the, the initial call, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So he, he put the, the bottom line up front. Or in this call where he's, he's appointing 12, the word apostle actually means a sent one, one who is sent out. So again, like he's selecting them for a very a specific purpose. This isn't just a, uh, a VIP club that he was inviting them into, mm -hmm. you know, extra access to Jesus. This was an invitation to a deeper connection so that he could send them out. And so the fine print was always communicated up front. And I think those are some things that, that we can take from Jesus as we go about looking for and practicing, uh, looking for disciples to train and invest in more deeply and going about the, the principle of selection. Yeah. I think one of the things that I think about with selection is that it's, um, it's not what you said, uh, VIP, or it's not elitism, it's not favoritism, uh, it's not a measurement of how much I'm supposed to love people. Um, I think it's, uh, the goal is to focus on the few in depth-wise so that many can be reached uh, for the gospel. I think about it in an illustration. I grew up swimming, uh, I swam for my high school team, and I'm in my 40s now, and every so often I go, I wonder if I could join a senior or master's swim team. And I, I think about it in this illustration that <clears throat> one day I wake up and I go, hey, I, I think I wanna go back into swimming. And so I'm looking around, I'm browsing on the internet for a swim team or a swim coach. And I finally find one and I, and I go up to him and say, hey, I wanna become a elite swimmer at this age. Can you take me there? And he has the credentials as a coach. And he says, well, Mike, I think, I think uh, you could, yeah, I think that sounds good. Uh, so you need to, but what I need from you is now for the next six months, I need you to clear your mornings. I need you to show up at the pool at five, ready to go swimming. And then uh, we will be done by noon. And so every day you got seven hours of practice in the pool. Um, uh, and, uh, and either at that moment I could say yay or nay that commitment's too high for my goal or the commitment's perfect for my goal. And I think I look, about, I look at what selection is, it's not me, the coach is not selecting the swimmer per se, but the swimmer's goal is to become a great swimmer. And so he selected the coach to help him become a better swimmer. And I think it is both of those relationships. It's not about me selecting the next Peter in our work but it's about looking for somebody who has the eagerness and the hunger, who's willing to lay down his life or her life, uh, hmm. just as the swimmer is willing to lay down seven hours every day for the next six months to become a great swimmer. Who is out there willing to lay down his or her life to become a disciple of Jesus, an apostle, one who's sent out? And I think as a disciple maker, we're in the same boat. As a disciple and as a disciple maker, we're wrestling through with the Lord to sacrifice our life and to look for somebody who's that eager. 
the way that Cecil, uh, a man who had a hand in discipling both of us, uh, would say it is that you, you want to look for someone who has God's fingerprints all over them. And so you, you come across someone who, yeah, you're initiating a relationship and you're getting to know them better and you're beginning to discern that, hey, this, this person seems eager to follow Jesus and wants to learn how to help other people. And God has given me a connection with this person. And you're beginning to, to think through, is this someone that I need to really um, commit to spending more time with? And one of the ways you do that is you, you see God's fingerprints already on their life. It's not, you're not creating the work within them. You're not inspiring them single-handedly with this vision of following Jesus and making disciples. And I think that's kind of where the, uh, the integration of God's part and our part comes in. God is already at work in this person's life. And, and you can see that, like you mentioned, even for Jesus, that several of his disciples were already seeking God in a, a pretty in, intentional way by seeking out John the Baptist and, and following him. They were, they were John's disciples before they were Jesus's mm -hmm. disciples. And I see the same thing with the apostle Paul and Timothy, probably the most famous, you know, after the gospels, the most famous uh, disciple, a discipler relationship in the New Testament is Paul and Timothy. Same thing when Paul met Timothy, he was already a disciple. He was already well spoken of in the church, the local church community there. And Paul wanted to take Timothy with him. So Paul sensed God's hand on Timothy's life. And that was one of the indicators that, that led Paul to invite Timothy to come and, and, and join him in that work. So this, this idea of looking for discerning God's hand on a person's life is, is another aspect of selection. We're not just randomly selecting people that we enjoy being around. Um, we're looking for people who are already responding to God. Um, and then we're, we're choosing to be more focused on those relationships. So we've kind of talked about what selection is, and I think we've, we've talked some about what it isn't. So it's not a VIP club. Um, it's not random. It's a very purposeful relationship. And it's not just to help them grow in their faith. It's, it's to spend life on life, time with them, helping them learn how to help others, helping them move from being disciples to disciple makers, from, from being disciples to being workers in the harvest. That's really the goal of selection is that they're going to be sent out at some point as workers into, into the harvest. So for some people, let, uh, let me back up. Let me just say, um, can you make disciples without practicing selection? What do you think, Mike? I'll put you on the spot here. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I think we could help people walk with Jesus uh, if they want to. Um, and I think the principle of selection is just those who are willing to go deeper with you. So for me, the practice of selection is helpful because of I'm wrestling before the Lord. If it's just one person comes to my uh, you know, doorstep and says, Mike, can you help me? I probably can help him. Uh, but it actually, it, it makes me uh, not go before the Lord. I should go before the Lord, but it doesn't force me to go before the Lord um, 
to really wrestle if this is the right person that God wants me to invest deeply into. I think the kind of a step into ministry that we are all engaging in disciple making is that we should be reaching out broadly and talking to people about the gospel and about who Jesus is. And if you're, if your life just respect reflects the gospel lifestyle, I can't help to think there'll be more than one person at your doorstep eager to grow and eager to be with you as you walk with Jesus. So as, as you naturally live the life of the gospel, there'll be multiple people in, in your life that wants to journey with you, but there's going to be one or two, maybe few that wants to go deeper and be with you. And it's probably that person that God is maybe hinting at or making you wrestle with for you to select. I do believe that everyone will have to be a group or a community uh, for disciple making to be, to happen. You know, it's the same idea of uh, it takes a village to raise a kid. And I think that's healthy that all of us in a church, right? Church is a community that we're all supposed to grow spiritually together. And so disciple making has to happen in a community and therefore selection is a process of disciple making for all of us. When I think about selection and why it's such an important part of making disciples, like there are three things that come to mind. First of all, Jesus did it. We, we see it very clearly. So can you make disciples without selection? You can't make disciples the way Jesus did without selection yeah. because Jesus selected. So one good reason to, to think about and try to practice the principle of selection is because Jesus did it when, as he went about making disciples. A second reason is what you just referenced, which is we have limited time. And so there are, there's, so much, there's only so much space that we have uh, in our days. There's, so much, there's only so much capacity we have for relationships. And so the, the, the little secret is all of us are selecting all the time. We're, we're all choosing who we're going to spend uh, time with uh, day in and day out, week in and week out. So we need to be purposeful about selecting uh, because um, we've only got so much of, of our time and life to, to go around. And then the third principle or th the third reason why we should be serious about selection is because it's, it's a means to an end. Um, again, selection is not just choosing to have closer relationships with certain people. Um, but it's, it's the doorway towards inviting someone into the, the family business to, into being apprenticed and learning how to share their faith and, and how to make disciples. So it's, it's a very intentional disciple making in that way is a very intentional effort. And therefore the selection for that needs to be intentional. So, um, why do you think some people don't chafe against the idea? Why do some people chafe against the idea of selection? And, and maybe this, this puts the, the wrong taste in their mouth. I've heard people wrestle with that. It's, it's favoritism. Jesus, you know, James talks about don't have any favoritism. So I think it's a misapplication to that statement. I think in James, it talks about favoritism towards the more rich and the benefits of you from favoring the rich. Uh, so the context of James is a little bit different here. I think selection, the right practice is 
really helping people or training people for a purpose, like you already said. And so if we don't have the Jesus principle of Mark, Mark 3.14, then we misapply truth and then we don't see it for all it's worth. And you're right, we do select all the time. Like I keep my doors locked for a reason. I don't mm -hmm. choose strangers to come into my house or I don't choose, you know, different things. I choose very intentionally or unintentionally um, my friends and the circle, my inner circle of friends, believers or non-believers, my coworkers. Um, so we do practice selection. But in, in this, it seems like when we talk about it, it's hard to understand. And God is, God does love everyone. And Jesus clearly loved everyone. John 3, 16, God loved the world. He sent his only son. So Jesus loves everyone. Yet he chose to train the 12. And we just heard uh, 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 from Jessica, one of our friends here said, hey, Jesus died on the cross. And that message is so important that he trained the 12 to take it to the next generation. And imagine if Jesus didn't train the 12, Jesus would have just died in vain and the message would have been lost after the first generation. What a profound statement that we are stewarding God's message for salvation for the whole world. And the way we're supposed to steward it is to train the next generation to carry it into the future. And in the future uh, is how it goes from uh, forever. And um, the training is so intense, just as Jesus did. He him being God, single and perfect, he only could do it with 12 men. And uh, I'm not perfect. I am not single. I have five mm -hmm. kids, like I said. And uh, God has given me the privilege of training few men. And, uh, and few men has trained me as well, like Andrew, like you. And so uh, I think it takes time and it takes a lot of intentionality. And if you don't select, you're just out there living life aimlessly in ministry. You just hit, I think, the nail on the head with the two big reasons that, that I've heard people push back against this idea of selection. One is favoritism. There's a, it's so foreign to our view of, hey, the, God's love the world, the whole world. So why would you be choosing to limit the, the people that you're going to be investing deeply in? Why not why that does seem like favoritism. I think the answer to that, that we've already tried to communicate is one, we all select. So you're going to be doing it, <laughs> whether you want to say you are or not, you're going to be spending more time with certain people. It's just a question of how are you making those decisions? How are you choosing to invest more, more deeply? Is it through favoritism? You know, it's almost like the reverse that you're choosing by, by spending time more haphazardly, most of us are gonna spend time with people that we enjoy. So we're gonna have our favorites. It just won't be tied to the mission of Christ um, in terms of who we're spending that time with. So favoritism, definitely one of those. And then the other one is it seems slow. It's counterintuitive. This message needs to get to everybody. And why would you take three years to, to spend in-depth training the 12 when there's a whole, when you've got thousands of people coming to hear you, Jesus, like why would you choose mm. to limit yourself and to focus yourself on those 12? And like you said, um, Jesus, that's why Jesus is our blueprint. We need to trust that when we see him operating in a way that's counterintuitive, 
we should pay attention and we should take note and, and we should start asking some, some hard questions about why is he doing it that way and what would that mean for my life? What would that mean for my church if we began to make disciples the way we see with Jesus versus the way that seems right to us as, as the quickest, most effective way to, to get the word out? So selection is, is difficult for people because the reality is the flip side of that coin is exclusion that if you were in the 12, you were in the 12. If you weren't in the 12, you were excluded from the 12. And that's nothing, that, that's something that none of us like is the idea of being excluded. Um, but again, because of our human limitations, selection is gonna be something that we do. It's just a question of how we practice it, whether we're, we're intentional with that or not. Well, maybe we can try to summarize um, some of the principles that we've already talked about in this conversation, Mike, if, if you were to try to highlight some of what we've, we've discussed, um, what would, what would be important for people to, to take from this idea of selection? Yeah. Andrew, I think one, Jesus is the blueprint or the key. Uh, and he modeled what love loving people looks like and what we should emulate before. So look, always look towards Jesus and do our best to model and follow his principles or even his methods and question, like, how does it apply to me today in the 21st century? I think I need to be walking with Jesus closely um, to be selected. And I'm very thankful, Andrew, that, you know, when I said, hey, Andrew, what do you think about us moving up to Washington to get training? Although I wanted to get training, doesn't mean you had to select me. And it was uh, from God that you're like, yeah, come on up to Washington. We'll spend some time together. So I needed to be walking with Jesus. I know you were walking with Jesus. And we're both in very prayer uh, prayer time uh, over our decisions in this. I think the third thing is just we need to keep an eye out for uh, whom God may bring into our lives. And um, not just be driven by our routine or mundane things but really keep an eye out for who God is, has his fingerprints on. Um, and we're inviting them into our life. And we're just as Jesus invited his disciples into our life, into his life. Those are the three right. things that really stood out. Those are great, man. If you're someone who is listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, I, I've never even been discipled. So this is like, this is 201 and I just need the 101. Then just look at it from the uh, the other side of the, the 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 filter is who is already following Jesus and making disciples that you could learn from kind of like you were just saying there Mike who could you um, approach who and, and, and even if they say no like you can learn from someone like you can you can put yourself in those places and in those relationships and you can pray that God would give you someone who has a heart to disciple you uh, if you are someone who's actively following Jesus and seeking to share him with others, start thinking about what would it look like to be more intentional about spending extra time with a few of those people that you're reaching out to? Because that's really what we're talking about is spending extra time with a few so that you could help them grow to your level of maturity. So, so who has, who do you know that has that interest that, that would want to grow and join you in this work that God has called you to? And, and then 
the practical way that we select is we don't we don't make a big ceremony and we don't put a badge on someone. We don't give them a, a selection card. Hey, you've made it. Really, the way that you select is very quiet. You select people by concentrating on those relationships, purposely choosing to initiate more engagement. Mike, in your illustration, which is, a, a, I think, a great one, but also a very extreme one or a profound one, is you've invited someone to actually move into your home. Like you're, you're very much concentrating on that relationship. And that's not just, I know you, so I know you, you didn't just invite them into your home because you just wanted to hang out and have an extra person under your roof. That there's a, there's a purpose to them being in your home, which is to, to help them grow and mature as a worker in the, uh, the kingdom of God and as someone who knows how to share their faith and, and make disciples. Um, Let's shift to recommendations and resources. We've already made some recommendations there uh, that I was touching on. Anything else that you would add to that for, for people listening or watching this who are beginning to get their mind around this idea of selection, recommendations that they, steps that they should take, and then we'll also talk about resources that could help people study this topic further. Yeah, the, the biggest recommendation is try to get very familiar with Jesus's life in the four gospels in the Bible and just look at it from what did he do? Why did he do it? And just wrestle that question out every time you read through it. Um, I know there's few of us who just read the gospel multiple times a year and to include the rest of the scriptures, but it just helps to understand Jesus's behavior and his intent. I think the second book that I would recommend behind the Bible in terms of this topic and disciple making is a book called The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. And um, actually his first chapter is the word selection or the this topic selection. And there's eight topics that he solicits and he's just following Jesus's principles uh, from his, his observation. And uh, it really helps understand from Jesus's principle or the Bible what this is and how it's helpful for the master plan to evangelize the whole world. And so those are probably the two main things that I wrestle through and then ask the Lord for a guy, for me, like guys like Andrew or Joe, who could really help mentor me or disciple me. So in turn, I could take that practices, what I've experienced and give it to somebody else. I've shared that before that I prayed for probably a year before I met Cecil, specifically praying that God would bring someone into my life who could disciple me, who could show me the ropes, who could, who could help me learn how to follow Jesus more faithfully. I knew that I needed that. And my models weren't even from the Bible. You know, I've, sh I've shared this before as well, that, uh, you know, I had a friend who was a Jehovah's Witness and he had an older mentor. I had, even though I grew up in the Bible Belt, I had never seen that. I had never seen someone in their early 20s, which is what, where Kevin and I, my friend, were both 20 years old at the time, but I had never seen someone at that age have a mentor in their 30s or 40s who was purposely helping them. So it's a little bit of a, uh, just in my personal life, it's a little bit of an indictment that I had to see that model outside of the church. I didn't see it in the church. Um, and that doesn't mean it isn't happening. It's just for me, I didn't see it. And, uh, and then, you know, I've shared this before too, like Star Wars with Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, I grew up uh, with the original Star Wars um, uh, trilogy or Karate Kid with Mr. Miyagi. Like 
I knew I wanted to follow Jesus and I needed help. And I really, I craved an older mentor who could help me. And so I prayed and for a year I prayed and the Lord ultimately allowed my path to cross with Cecil and Jeannie Bean and they discipled Cindy and I, my wife and I for the next seven years, uh, which changed the course of my life. I would not be where I'm at today if they had not taken the time to in, invest in me. So yes, prayer, so essential. And then if you are further along, pray for the next generation. So no matter where you're at, if, if you're needing to be discipled and you're longing for that kind of, of connection, pray that God would would bring that type of person to your life. And if, if you're wanting to, to disciple someone else and pass on the things that you've learned, pray that God would bring someone into your life that, that you could have that connection with. Reading the Gospels, you know, Cecil would say that, always be reading the Gospels. Every day you should be spending at least some time looking at the master, looking at Jesus, learning from his teachings, studying his life, studying the way he went about uh, living the mission that God had sent him on. And then the master plan. I couldn't, I couldn't recommend that book highly enough. Um, and that, I think the book is so good because that's what he's doing. He's, he's studying Jesus to discern, did he have a master plan? And he, he basically says, yes, you can study the life of Jesus and you can discern a plan that Jesus had to reach the world and to share the, uh, the good news with others. Um, one last resource, uh, I'll do a shameless plug. We did a series on discipleship that's available over on our YouTube channel. It's called uh, Discipleship 101. It's a series of eight short videos. They're all about five to, to eight minutes long that just walks you through from start to finish. Just a broad overview of what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to mature to the point where you're able to, to help others follow him, to, to be a disciple maker. So uh, we'll link all of these resources in the uh, description of this video or in the show notes uh, if you're listening to this on a podcast. So Mike, any, any final thoughts from you on this topic of, of selection, things that you've learned over the years practicing it? Yeah, um, for me, I always want to posture myself to be a learner and whoever God brings into my life. I'm, al I'm always wondering if this is the person that I could either pour into or if it's an older gentleman, is this the person that I could uh, or they could pour into me. And I'm always looking to learn from people that God brings into my life. And from that posture, I think selection happens for me to me or from me. So. That's great, man. But yeah, always being on the lookout either for someone to learn from or, you know, has God brought someone into my life that I'm supposed to share with in a, in a unique way. And I can tell you that, that I'm doing the same thing. I'm constantly, <laughs> if people knew they would, they might even be a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm, I'm constantly on the lookout for the, the next generation that I could begin to spend extra time with. And I, I truly don't look at it as favoritism. I, I look at it that someone was willing to invest in me in that way, and I should be willing to pay that forward. I owe it to the next generation to, to pass along the, the gift of relationship and development that was given to me when I was in my 20s. And so, um, yeah, I'm constantly looking for 
and praying that, that God would show me who are the, the younger generations that, that I'm already connected to, that I could begin spending extra time with to, to encourage them in their faith and, and to help them grow to maturity. Well, brother, we've been wanting to do this for a while now. I really appreciate you coming on. I know you've got a lot going on, not just uh, with your family life, but you're very active in making disciples and in leadership there with the Navigator Ministry. So thanks for, for carving out some time today to talk with me through this, this topic of selection. And I know it's not just something that we've studied, that it's something that both of us have tried to, to live and practice. So hopefully these, uh, these are things that will be encouraging to others and, and help them on their journey. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. It's a privilege to be here with you. And I know uh, Into the Harvest has been a great resource for me and others around the people that I've been ministering to as well. So I really appreciate what you do and just the time that you do to uh, spread God's, God's word to, to the world. Thanks, man. That's what it's all about. And um, we'll have to have you on again and, and do it again soon. Thanks, Andrew.